Good morning, once again. So, since I've started at Billericay, I've tried to listen to, um, to some of the feedback that has come. And um, I've shared it with Ian. During the week, we spend a lot of time talking about um, services, either from, from previous weeks, having a little assessment of how, how, what went well, what didn't quite work, and uh, for forthcoming services, doing the same sort of thing. What may or may not work, what can we try? And we both agreed that it's about time that we dragged ourselves into the 20th century, at least, and started using presentations. So we're going to commit, and he said to me, he said, he said, say this to people so they can hold us accountable. We're going to try and... Um, just start using a few slides in sermons because the feedback has been that generally people like that. So, um, if you're wondering why suddenly I'm starting using PowerPoint, that's why. So the opening slide this morning, if you're walking into church and you thought, I wonder what the service is going to be about, and you saw stop worrying, you might think, oh, that's not a particularly uplifting message. That's not a particularly attractive sermon title. I'm not sure that it was worth getting out of bed this morning. I could have stayed there a bit longer and and stayed asleep, or I certainly wouldn't have been worrying. But actually, the sermon title up there is incomplete. It should be, stop worrying and start living. The emphasis of this morning is not the first part of the title. It's the second. At some point in our lives, we've all been told to stop worrying. Don't worry about it. It will be fine. But it's not always that easy to do. So today, today we look at what Jesus said about worry and how worry should be dealt with in a Christian life. Now this is a big subject. It's a challenging subject and it's one that affects us all in different ways. Worry is a very negative state of mind. But today isn't simply about worry. Today is about the positive mindset that Jesus teaches us to adopt, which allows us to let go of worries And to start living a life free from that negative state of mind. So, the reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. This is Jesus continuing. In his teaching. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. 
But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So during the week, in fact on Monday, um, my timetable this semester is brilliant. I have a, I, I wake up at 5.30 on Mondays, which isn't so great. Um, I get to college, lectures start at 8.30, so I tend to get there around 8 o'clock in time to get a coffee. Um, and then I have lectures all morning. And it's quite intense, it's quite, um, you know, it's quite thorough. But then we break for lunch, and all afternoon, I don't have any lectures. Monday afternoons, oh, it's this oasis of bliss in the week. I'm not at home where there's always lists of jobs and things like that to do, which, of course, I I delight in doing. (coughs) But I have a bit of time to myself. It's brilliant. And uh, for the first few weeks of the semester, I did just use it as as a bit of me time, and it was lovely. But now we're getting um, more into the middle of the semester, and, you know, I I don't want to be caught out by essay deadlines, so I'm spending more and more time in a library, which is is a good place to be. And this, this week I was in there, and I consolidated my notes, and I'd done all the reading that... I needed to do, and um, I thought, well, I've got, I've got another hour before I before um, dinner. What should I do? And I was wandering around, just looking at the shelves, and there are some fascinating titles in there. And I came across um, a, a, a row of shelves, and it had all of Martin Luther's sermons on it. And I thought, I wonder what Luther said about this passage. And so I read a sermon that Luther had given on this passage, and I did the same with John Wesley as well. And it was quite interesting because um, uh, Martin Luther used this passage to launch a, a really quite stinging attack on what he saw as the greed and corruption of the Catholic Church, where, where a priest would only pray for someone if they, if they could afford to pay him for it. Don't worry, I'm not going to go down that route this morning. Um, John Wesley started his sermon by looking back at 2 Kings, chapter 17, verse 33, where we're told that after taking Israel into captivity, the Assyrian king placed Israelite priests amongst um, the the heathens who were now occupying the Israelite cities. And this resulted in a sort of a belief system um, where it says in uh, 2 Kings 17, 33, people feared the Lord but served their own gods too. And John Wesley opened his sermon by saying, how nearly does the practice of most modern Christians resemble this of the ancient heathens? In other words, people served, recognised God, but served other gods in two kings. In Wesley's time, he saw that as a real issue. People acknowledged God in voice, but their lives didn't make God their priority. They lived lives that tended to honour other things. If Wesley was preaching today, he probably wouldn't need to change that opening line too much. For so many of us, life is just so busy. We get so bogged down in what's going on around us that it is difficult to make Jesus the centre of our lives. There's so much pressure, there's so much stress, there's so much worry all around us. There are so many things to think of 
that it is difficult to follow the instruction that Jesus gives us. In verse 25, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. That's a difficult, that's a difficult instruction to follow. Of course we're going to worry. Of course we're going to worry. That sounds like a really almost patronisingly simple instruction. Do not worry about your life. Many people read that. Maybe some of you here today read that and think, yeah, that's all very well. That's a, that's a lovely sentiment. That's a nice idea. That's a great thing to tell someone, but actually I can't do that. You don't know what it's like being me. You don't know what it's like having, having my worries. You don't have to live with, with my debt or my health or my job or my family or my friends or my past or my children or my addiction or my relationships. You, don't know what it, you have no idea what it's like being me. I cannot live a life without worry. Worry is not the sort of thing that we can just switch on and off. And of course, you can't argue when someone retorts to this statement with a list of their worries. But the important thing to do is to remember the context in which Jesus delivers these words. Because you see, Jesus last week finished the the passage that we looked at by reminding us you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve two masters. This passage begins, therefore I tell you. In other words, although in Bilirikia weeks passed from from, uh, the end of last week's passage to the beginning of this week's and we've all had different experiences and different things and maybe forgotten some of what was said last week, Jesus hardly paused for breath between saying, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. In other words, he's now taking worry. His money's been dealt with, he's spoken about money, he now introduces worry. And so what he's saying is, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and money, you can't serve God and worry. Sometimes worry can become a master in our lives. I did a little bit of research and it didn't take too long to to find a list of things that that people tend to worry about the most. And there are some some things that aren't on there that perhaps should be, but but here we go. So, um, pets' health. Um, I often worry that the cats in our neighbourhood look in remarkably fine health and continue to use my back garden as a public lavatory, but... um, um, dress sense. I thought I'd wear this tie this morning just for that comment. You worry about dress sense. Um, whether I'm a good parent. What, what sort of legacy do we pass on to our children? Family conflict. The pain and the, the agony and the, the years of trouble that can come from a family conflict. Whether my partner still loves me. Whether or not I'm attractive. I need to find a new job. I seem to be generally unhappy 
I mean, that's one that just I just I struggle with that one to be honest because I worry that I'm unhappy. Well, hang on, that's that's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm 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 worrying about what I might worry about. Paying the rent or the mortgage, finance is a huge pressure for so many people. Worried about my physique. Worried about wrinkles or or an aging appearance. Oh, <laughs> touched a nerve. <laughs> Worried about job security. People living in fear of losing their job. Worried about my debts. My diet. Financial security. I'm sure there are things on that list that everybody in here can relate to. And there'll also be things in your lives that you think, well, I know what my list would be. There's ten other things that I'd add to that. Sometimes when we talk about worry, we can almost trivialise it. Don't worry. Don't worry about that, it'll be fine. If your dog dies, get another one. It's <laughs> another one, isn't it? <laughs> Don't worry about your dress sense. You're married, it's too late. <laughs> but actually, we shouldn't trivialise worry. If we, if we know someone who worries, we should make them the top of our priority list. They should be the people that we're phoning on a regular basis. They should be the people that we're, that we're supporting on a regular basis, that we're turning to, that we're making sure that they're looked after, that they're, that they're okay, that we keep an eye on them. Because some other research I did this week, and again, it was just a quick Google search, but um, a, recent, a report that came out last year, um, some statistics in there, 31.6 million prescriptions for antidepressants were issued in 2005. 31.6 million. So that was 2005. In 2015, it's nearly doubled. 61 million prescriptions for antidepressants. I found that shocking. So many people struggle to get through life. They feel they can't get through life on their own. Worry becomes such a burden that it goes from being, perhaps it, perhaps it can start as something fairly trivial, fairly manageable, but it builds and it builds and it builds. And if they have no release for it, if they have no one to turn to, no one to, to give their worry to, to share it with, no one to, to take solace with, worry becomes a destructive force in their life to the point where they have to turn to medication to deal with it. Jesus says, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Of course not. We know that. In fact, worry shortens our lives. Worry can lead to to anxiety, to depression. It can lead to heart trouble. It can make us thoroughly miserable brings on stress. There's all sorts of conditions that are triggered because of the way that we deal with our worries, because of the way that we bottle them up, because we don't have anyone to turn to. We, no one can help us with our worries. 
Jesus says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour? He's saying, stop and think. What are you achieving? If you let worry become your master, if you let worry overtake your life, what are you achieving? You're achieving nothing. In fact, you're damaging yourself. He then goes on to a question. And it's a, it's a two-sided question, really. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? It's a rhetorical question. And we might think, well, obviously, we know the answer to that. But what sort of scriptural answers jump out at us? Is not life more than food? Well, we've already heard. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That was Jesus' words when he was tempted in the desert. When he was faced with, with evil itself. Jesus doesn't store up his worry. The worry about food, the worry about his, his, his depleted physical state, the, the fact that he was, he was really struggling as his muscle wastage and, and everything else, his fat reserves were being used up. The worries that came with, with, with that fast. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The second part of that question is not, are not the, is not the body more than clothes? In Corinthians, Paul writes, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. When we look back at the Old Testament and see, see um, the, 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 the splendour and the majesty of these grand temples, the temple in Jerusalem was this incredible building. When Jesus came, things changed. The Holy Spirit was not simply confined to the Holy of Holies, this one room where only the high priest could enter once a year after quite rigorous cleansing rituals. Suddenly, we, every single one of us, take on the beauty, the splendour of that temple. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that that amazing? Isn't that Just the most uplifting thing we can think. God looks at us and sees a temple, which to him is something of such beauty that's where his spirit dwells. Jesus says, look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air, verse 26. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Some of you will remember that um, probably about, might be even 20 years ago now, um, the the little red square, the future's bright, the future's orange, that was the the slogan that came up. Funnily enough, they went out of business two years ago. You see, we can, we can plan for the future, we can store up, we can, we can come out with, with great slogans and we, we can have excellent plans, but we don't know what's going to happen. We might, we might make bad investments, pension funds might crash, we might have a burglary at home and whatever, whatever riches we've got stored away, they might be taken, they might be lost. God has it in control. God has everything in control. If we try and store everything up, if we try and and look after ourselves, provide for ourselves, we can't. Everything that we provide for ourselves, it comes from God. 
It comes from God. I'm not sure if Ian used the J. John video, video a little while ago, so this might, this might fall on deaf ears, but they're all God's donuts. Yeah? Yeah. How true. How true. God provides for all his creation. Consider the lilies, says Jesus. The lilies of the field. See how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown on the fire, will he not much more clothe you? We look at flowers in a field and we appreciate their beauty. We don't say, well, the roots are a bit mucky, so let's stick a pair of, stick a pair of high heels on them and, and a, bit of, a bit of makeup on the petals, that's better. We don't do that, we don't interfere because we can appreciate the raw and natural beauty. But the mindset that we have is that when we look at ourselves, because we know, because we know that we are not as naturally beautiful and pure as God created us, because we know that we live sinful lives, we look at ourselves and we can't appreciate our own beauty. God looks at us. He sees our inner beauty and our outer beauty, believe it or not, in our raw and natural state. Don't worry. Don't worry about what you eat what you wear. Now that's not licensed to go and abuse your bodies. We shouldn't, we shouldn't think, oh great, I don't need to worry, I'm going to go and have a Big Mac morning, morning, noon and night for the rest of my life because I don't need to worry. No. You see, if our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, if our bodies are things of beauty that God loves, then we should preserve them, we should work to respect them and to love them. We should make sure that we do look our best, but we shouldn't worry about wanting to look better all the time. We should make sure that that we do eat properly, that we do take care of ourselves, that we do take precautions to make sure that in the future we've done everything that's sensible to look after ourselves. But don't worry. That's the key, not letting it be a burden, not letting it become our master. And the reason that I'm really trying to stress this this morning is because of what Jesus says about those who worry. Jesus condemns worriers. In verse 30, O you of little faith. But he goes further than that. It's not just, O you of little faith. Verse 32 In the NIV, he says, for the pagans run after all these things. He's now putting warriors on the level of pagans. You'll see there, you've got um, some some translations say Gentiles, others pagans, other unbelievers, but I think the most damning of all is probably in the youth Bible, where it's described as the people who don't know God. You see, we can come to church every week, we can sing songs of worship, we can listen to the prayers. We can hear the scriptures, we can hear the sermons, we can have a cup of coffee afterwards. Or we can go home, we can close the front door behind us, we can draw the curtains and we can dissolve into a puddle of tears on the floor. Because worry is our master. If that's how we live our lives... 
Jesus says, with people who don't know God. Some people say statements, the sort of thing like, um, oh, but I'm a natural warrior. No, you're not. Because you've been created by God. God does not create you to worry. God does not create you to worry. So you're not a natural warrior. That is not your natural state. That is not the state that God intended you to live in. Don't let worry be your master. In the NIV, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. Now, I've used a different translation on the slide because it seems to be more helpful, I think. You see, if we seek the kingdom, it can be a case of It's not there. I can't see it. God doesn't want me. Instead, the NRSV says, strive first for the kingdom of God. Strive first. So the onus is on us. So it's not all bad news, don't worry. If we we find ourselves plagued by worry, if we find that we're struggling under the burden of stress and and, and like the list that we saw earlier, we've got all these things on our hearts and it's causing us great trouble and it's distracting us, Strive first for the kingdom of God. Strive first. Our first port of call should be God. It should be to offer things up in prayer. It should be to take, take some time out to ourselves. Maybe not even praying about that particular issue. Just taking time with God. Focusing on initiatives within the church. Or maybe phoning a, a Christian friend. Sharing the trouble with them. <coughs> Reaching out to people. Looking around you saying, look, you're, you're friends of faith and I, I need people praying into this at the moment. I need this. So I'm not saying we shouldn't worry because I worry about things. I worry about a lot of things. But the challenge for me is to make sure that worry doesn't become my master. To make sure that God is at the centre of my life. That God is the one that I focus on. And I find that if I make sure that I spend time with God, either in prayer or silent meditation or listening to worship and just try and empty my mind of worry. Focus on God. Then I find that coming back to my worries, I've got the courage to face it. Some people might write down all their worries and then burn it or rip it up. Some people, um, I've heard it said that... um, in a prayer, just keep repeating over and over and over and over again whatever it is that you're worrying about until, until you get to the point that you almost become bored of hearing it. And for some people, that can, that can help to um, remove the power of the worry. Whatever, whatever it is that works for you, make sure that God is central to everything. Do not worry about tomorrow. Focus on the day in hand. We can all have so many worries about the future. <coughs> having, a, having a three-year-old child, there are so many worries about the future. 
many of you will have your own worries. We shouldn't ignore it. I'm not going to say, well, I don't really care what school Timothy goes to. I don't really, I don't really care whether he's, whether he's happy next week. As long as he's happy now. It's all about now. Have what you want now. I don't, I don't mind about how my parenting is going to affect him in years to come. Um, as long as he gets everything he wants now, today. No, of course that's not the approach we should take to life. That wouldn't be health, healthy. But I tell you what, at the same time with our children, we shouldn't spend all of our time worrying about their future. Because actually what we do now, the love and the care and the time that we give them now, will pay dividends in the future. Do not worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. You see, of course, the other side to that statement is sometimes when non-Christians know what we're going through, when they know that we're going through a particularly difficult or stressful or anxious time, they can look at us. What do they notice that's different about a Christian struggling? It should be in our response. We don't worry. Yeah, I've got all this going on. It's a nightmare. Life's difficult, but do you know what? It'll be okay. It will be okay. I don't know how. I haven't got all the answers. But my faith is that God's in this with me. And if God's in this with me, I believe that God is all-powerful, all-knowing. And so I take solace there. That's something that sets Christians aside from the secular world. The way that we deal with difficulty, with hardship, with stress and with worry. If we forget to include God, that's when the troubles start. Don't let worry become your master. That's an instruction to all of us. Do not let worry become our master. God is so much bigger than any worry we can have. God knows our worries before we do. He is so much bigger. When we're faced with worry and difficulties out in the world, whoever we're with, we can be the non-anxious presence. I've always been a relatively laid-back person, not a massive worrier, which is, um, which is good, because I, I marry someone who every now and then worries about things, but is fairly laid-back as well. And so we don't tend to get too stressed out about things, and it leads to a fairly peaceful household most of the time. Um, but at work, I used to work in a team where there were a lot of worriers, a lot of stressed out people. And they used to find it quite amusing that my reaction to what they saw as disaster scenarios, if we lost a client, oh well, less work for us. That was my sort of attitude. Now of course I was concerned it was going to affect our bottom line, our, our team performance. But there was nothing we could do about it. And if we worried and if we started pointing fingers and asking questions, then it didn't achieve anything. People found that sort of approach, quite refreshing. I never was asked, why, why, why do you have that sort of approach? I never had the chance to share that. Looking back now, I wish that I had. So many people get bogged down in worry, and they worry about things that they can't actually control. see, Jesus taught us to pray by saying, give us this day 
our daily bread. When we wake up in the morning, the first thought that goes through our minds should be, Lord, I give this day to you. Help me to get through this day. Give me what I need to get through this day. Tomorrow will look after itself. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Help me get through today. Then we have this verse from Lamentations. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His compassions are new every morning. Now something I'd just like to urge people to do. Um, We've got these Alpha courses coming up and I'm sure that You've, you've heard Ian or me or Gary or, or, or the elders all going on about it. We really want to reach out to people. But actually, do you know, the Alpha Course is not just for reaching out to, to, to try and spread the gospel to new people. It can also be a fill-up for people who come to church every week, for Christians who have been Christians for years and years and years. Because sometimes we can forget, can't we, that God should be our master. We can, we can lose sight of the fact that there are things in our lives that we've allowed to grow and to get on top of us and to take over a little bit. And so I just urge you, give serious thought to coming along to the Alpha Course, even if you haven't got anyone to bring, just to be reminded of the fundamentals of our faith, the fundamental statements, the goodness and the greatness of God. It can be, it can be a huge boost to faith. So I just wanted to put that in your mind. in discipleship groups as well this week. It'd be great if we can just start maybe sharing worries or maybe just sharing the facts that you do worry. don't have to go into detail and and start airing dirty linen in public or anything like that. Instead, it can just be a case of, do you know what? What was said on Sunday, I've realised that I do struggle with worry. So just like some prayer for that. That would be a great thing to do, to share in the safety of a discipleship group. Just to close this morning. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. Don't let any worry become bigger than God in your life. Pray about everything, no matter how big or how small, how how trivial or how life-changing. Give it to God. Share it with God. And then start living. If we do that, if we, if we give things to God and then take on a positive mindset, just think, whatever, whatever life throws at me, I've got God on my side and nothing, nothing is going to beat that. Live a life that shows absolute faith in God's power to overcome your worries. Give everything to God. So with those thoughts in mind, let's, let's pray. And then I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reassurance that we find when we read your word. Lord, thank you that you sent your son to teach us and to live a life alongside us, 
to share in the worries and the troubles and the anxieties and the fears that plague so many of our lives. And Father, thank you for this teaching. And we pray, Lord, that in response to these words, you will help us just to to maybe readjust the priorities in our life, to refocus on you, to give every single day to you. Because we know, Lord, that we are very limited in what we can achieve in our own power. But with you, we can achieve anything. You are God. And we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.